baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. I'm Heather Vale, and you're listening to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me today is Kate Lowenhar-Fisher, Chairman of the Board for the Grant-A-Gift Autism Foundation. Grant-A-Gift helps individuals and families navigating the autism spectrum and other neurodevelopmental disorders. The 12th Annual Grant-A-Gift Gala is coming up, and it takes place on the field of Allegiant Stadium. Kate, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me, Heather. I appreciate it. So when exactly was the Grant-A-Gift Autism Foundation started? It started back in 2009. And so it's pretty remarkable that it went from a teeny tiny grassroots organization started by one mom and her son and some supportive friends. And now in 2022, we're going to have a thousand people on the field at Allegiant Stadium. Wow. <laughs> it's amazing, actually, when you think about it, it's a relatively short time, isn't it? It is a relatively short time. I was thinking that as you were talking. It's like, wow, that's, you know, quite the growth in not very long. Exactly. So what exactly does the foundation do? So the Grant the Gift Autism Foundation is the primary funding source for the Ackerman Center for Neurodevelopmental Disorders. And also the foundation operates a number of programs. So with respect to the Ackerman Center, the Ackerman Center is, our vision there is that it is a one-stop shop for both medical and neuropsychological diagnosis and services, mm -hmm. also ABA therapy, and we have pediatric neurology there. And the idea is instead of a family who perhaps suspects that they have a child with autism, instead of having to make appointments all over the valley with different docs and so forth, and then make appointments everywhere for different therapists, the idea is that we would bring it all under one roof and really provide state-of-the-art care so that people don't feel as though they're on some kind of, you know, assembly line, only getting five minutes to the doctor. So yeah. instead they get like an hour. And what we do is the foundation provides some of the funding to support that because we have a philosophy that nobody gets turned away. And so we serve a very large Medicaid population, which a lot of doctors frankly, don't do. Their practices don't accept Medicaid. And then the other piece of what the foundation does are programs, social programs, job programs, vocational training. So the idea is we're there for the, the long haul, I guess. Not, yeah. we're, not, we're not just aimed at little kids under three who are adorable, mm -hmm. um, but we're also aiming all the way up through adulthood 
Well, you could still be adorable, but you know what I mean. (laughs) And things like job placement and educational support and training and all those kinds of things, the independent living skills. So it's about running the center and providing those kinds of complementary non-medical programs. Nice. Okay. How prevalent is autism in Southern Nevada? The statistics suggest that it's about one in 44. Wow. can believe it. I know. <laughs> That's higher Staggering. than I thought. Yeah. Yes. And the ratio of boys who are diagnosed to girls, I think, is roughly four to one. So it seems to be much more prevalent in boys, but I don't think the science has exactly figured out why. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> but that's over my head. I'm yeah. just a chairman and a lawyer. I'm not a scientist. Okay, so we know it's happening at Allegiant Stadium. We know there's going to be about a thousand people there, but tell us more about the Grant a Gift Gala. Oh, it's going to be so exciting. So first, of course, it is on the field at Allegiant. That's awesome. And it is awesome. I just tell everybody, make sure you're wearing comfortable shoes. You're actually on the field. <laughs> So we're going to have fabulous musical entertainment. We're going to have a hilarious MC. And it's just going to be a really, really exciting program. Silent auction, but also live auction, which is awesome and fun. And it's going to be a fabulous dinner, plenty of wine. And we're actually doing kind of a a VIP party first. And then we're following that with the main presentation that is all on the field. And, you know, objectively, if I can be objective, Mm -hmm. it is just in past years, the most fun charitable event I have ever been to. And I think many of us have been to a lot, right? In various ballrooms around Southern Nevada. And there's just such a twist on the Granted Gift Gala that it's just so much fun and it'll make you cry, make you laugh. (laughs) And uh, we're really, really excited for the turnout this year. So you mentioned fabulous entertainment. Can you give us a little bit of a hint? uh, What kind of entertainment can people expect if they go? Well, I would say that you can expect a very, very well-known female music group and I'll I'll leave it at that for now (laughs) (laughs) okay so if listeners are enticed by that which I mean I'm assuming that they will be where can they find out more information about the grant a gift gala or get tickets to it or while we're at it find out more about grant a gift foundation in general maybe even if they want to volunteer or make a donation or help out in some way Absolutely. So I would tell anybody to visit our website, which is grantagift, G-R-A-N-T-A-G-I-F-T dot com. And you can find out everything that we're doing. You can get on our mailing list. You can see our event information and register for the gala. I think we have a few seats left, but they're They are uh, diminishing rapidly and uh, find out anything else they need to know. Okay. And what is the date and time for the gala? Uh, October 20th. And the main reception begins at 5.30 p.m. with the pre-reception 
from 4.30 to 5.30. Okay. And what's the dress code this year? Oh, the dress code is lighted up blue. I think a lot of people are aware that blue is a color associated with autism awareness. And so we tell everyone to light it up blue. And that means whatever they want it to mean. So <laughs> you can go black tie or you could go the opposite of black tie and celebrate blue. So we always have a really kind of a fun dress code. So nobody has to feel that it's necessarily a, a stodgy kind of event. Nice. Okay. And what if some of the listeners want to access services? Maybe they have a family member who's on the autism spectrum or they want to find out. Where can they access services? Absolutely. They can go to our website as well. And that's probably the easiest place to start. And I would say if they call over or send a request for an email to the Granite Gift Autism Foundation, they can communicate with one of our navigators, who are probably one of the most important services that we do provide. Because when you have a suspicion or your child perhaps is newly diagnosed, no one hands you a guidebook on what to do next. And that's where our navigators come in. And I would say that would be the place to start. Okay, perfect. So once again, the main website for the Grant a Gift Autism Foundation is grantagift.com, grantagift.com. If you're looking for services for yourself or a family member, you can ask to speak with a navigator and they will take it from there. If you want to make a donation, volunteer, get involved somehow, or just find out what they're doing, all the information is there at grantagift.com. And of course, if you want to attend the 12th annual Grant a Gift Gala, which is coming up on October 20th, Thursday, October 20th, starting at 5.30 p.m. for the main event, VIP at 4.30. And it's on the field at Allegiant Stadium. Doesn't get much cooler than that. So that is also available at grantagift.com. You can get your tickets there if there are any tickets left by the time you get there. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you can find out all the details. Maybe even you'll find out who this special entertainment's going to be. We know it's a huge female musical act. But other than that, you can find out the details. Grantagift.com is the place to go for all of that information, whether it's about the foundation in general or if it's about the Grant a Gift Gala. And Kate, I want to thank you so much for being here, letting everybody know about the event as well as what the Grant a Gift Autism Foundation does on a day-to-day -day basis, how people can take advantage of the resources or get involved in some way. So I really appreciate your time and thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate your time, Heather. Thanks so much. One in four Americans today are living with a disability. I'm one of them. People with disabilities are extremely talented, resilient problem solvers that have so much to offer. And we've got a trusted ally on our side, an organization we can rely on, Easter Seals. Easter Seals is leading the way to full equity, inclusion, and access to healthcare, employment, and education for people with disabilities, families, and communities. That's my Easter Seals. Make it yours. Learn more and get involved at EasterSeals.com.
I'm Heather Vale, and you're listening to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Today I'm speaking with Sean Maddox, founder of Black Pearl Promotions. October is both Domestic Violence Awareness Month and Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and Black Pearl is holding a special fundraising party to benefit both causes. Sean, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Heather, for having me. So why did you originally decide to start Black Pearl Promotions? Well, originally, the goal of Black Pearl Promotions was just to promote different events locally and eventually uh, nationally. And I wanted to basically begin promoting events. One of our mission statements was to promote events that would help support local nonprofit organizations in the area that we serve. And you do a lot of work with nonprofits, and I had an amazing response when I spoke at your Nevada Nonprofit Awareness Community event. Why do you feel it's important to support nonprofits? Well, it's definitely important to support nonprofits because their mission is to also do good in the community and benefit the people who are in in their community. And uh, a lot of times, many of the nonprofits are working on small, tight budgets And I think it's important for local community members, especially those who may benefit the most from these nonprofits, to help support them because uh, you may not know when you may need these nonprofits or when somebody close to you, whether it's a friend or a family member, may need these nonprofits. So I think it's important to support the nonprofits that are doing a lot in the community. Okay. Tell us more about the Bring Back the 70s fundraiser that's coming up. So absolutely. So basically, as you mentioned earlier, it's purpose is to raise awareness and support for domestic violence and breast cancer awareness for the month of October, uh, which we're in. And we wanted to make it an event that was fun, that people can come out to and, and really enjoy themselves and have a good time, but also bring awareness as well to these two amazing causes. Both causes are super important. Each October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month as well as Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I would like to talk a little bit about uh, some of the statistics, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, one in four women in the United States will end up experiencing severe uh, physical violence by someone that's intimate uh, with an intimate partner in her lifetime. And on average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. So that kind of equates to during an entire year, uh, it kind of equates to more than 10 million women and and men who are experiencing this. That's crazy. Yeah. And just something to keep in mind, abuse is not just limited to being physical. Uh, It can also be emotional, financial, sexual, spiritual. And it's not just adults who experience domestic violence. Children and teens are, are also affected by it. And in fact, uh, one in 15 children are exposed to an intimate partner violence each year, and 90% of these children witness violence in their homes. So obviously, these are both very important causes, and both of them kind of affect a lot of us. Like, I think pretty much everybody, if you think about it, you have a friend or a family member or someone you've heard of that's maybe, you know, one step removed who has dealt with either domestic violence or breast cancer or unfortunately both. But why did you specifically decide to support both of these amazing causes? Well, absolutely. I'd love to share that with you. So my wife, prior to getting married, was a victim. She's a survivor of domestic violence, 12 years of domestic violence, in fact, 
So that's one of the reasons why that's super important to me to be able to support this cause. And I had a grandmother, she's passed away now though, but she suffered from breast cancer and had to have a, a mastectomy because of it. So uh, it's super important for early detection for, for women in this case to really get themselves checked out. Breast cancer is the most common cause of cancer in women worldwide, and it's the leading cause of cancer death in women. So early detection is really key to survival. And we just want to make sure that as many women as possible are, are getting checked out there. Okay. So why did you decide to have the Bring Back the 70s disco theme associated with the fundraiser? Well, I wanted it to be something that was fun, something that people could come out to and really bring the two together. The, the, the fact that these are important causes, but also a chance for them to come out and enjoy themselves. And I, I love the 70s. I love music from the 70s. So I thought it was a great combination rather than just having something that was just an awareness event. Why not have something that was fun that, that they can come out and enjoy themselves too. So, you know, we want to make sure that people come out and, and laugh and enjoy themselves, but also uh, become aware of, of what's going on in the community and uh, what better way than to, to do it while uh, dancing to seventies disco. <laughs> cool. So give us the details about the when and the where. Absolutely. So it, the event is going to be Friday, October 28th, 8 p.m. to midnight. And it's going to take place at Starbase LV, Starbase Las Vegas, which is located at 3905 West Diablo Drive, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89118. And people can go and get their tickets online for the event at www.blackpearlpromotions.com www.blackpearlpromotions.com. Okay. And can they also find out more about what Black Pearl Promotions does on the website? Oh, absolutely. Right on the website, we have all the information about what we do, why we do it, and uh, they can go to upcoming events once they get to uh, the website and be able to click on the event information for the Bring Back to 70s Disco fundraiser. And again, that's blackpearlpromotions.com. Okay, awesome. So once again, blackpearlpromotions.com is the website to go to. You can find out more about what Black Pearl Promotions does or get your tickets to the Bring Back the 70s Disco Fundraising event, which is supporting Domestic Violence Awareness Month and Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And that fundraiser is happening on Friday, October 28th from 8 p.m. till midnight at Starbase LV which is on West Diablo Drive, and it's right near Allegiant Stadium. So very convenient location. Blackpearlpromotions.com is the website. And Sean, I want to thank you so much for being here and sharing about the event and also for putting it on because those two issues have touched me personally. I know they've touched the listeners, and I think it's fantastic that you're putting on a fundraising party for them. And it sounds like a really fun time with the 70s disco theme. So thank you so much for being here and sharing. I appreciate your time. Thank you, and I appreciate you allowing me to come on and talk about the event. I'm a wife and the mother of two kids. And when I get to work in the precinct house and put on my uniform, I can tell you, as a police officer, we're building partnerships. This should be happening everywhere. So the police should be reaching out to this community. And this community should reach out to the police. That's the way to make this a safer place. Start the conversation and help stop crime. To learn the five things you can do, go to ncpc.org slash preventviolentcrime. A message from the National Crime Prevention Council and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. 
I'm Heather Vale, and you're listening to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Today I'm speaking with Desiree Bruni from the 5K Committee for the Junior League of Nevada. The organization's having their first Junior League 5K run coming up. Desiree, thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So for those who aren't familiar, what exactly does the Junior League of Nevada do? So the Junior League is a chapter, a women's chapter. And here in Las Vegas, we have the Junior League of Las Vegas. We are a women's organization that works with the community to both help those in need, but also we help develop um, women leaders and women volunteers. So we're a volunteer organization that works with community partners to help those in need, to help those improve and basically just improve our community as best as we can. Okay. How long has it been around? So we've been in Las Vegas, gosh, 1940. Oh, you're really quizzing Ooh, me here. Wow. That's... Uh, yeah, we've been around for <laughs> uh, quite a while. So um, okay. we actually are part of a historical community and we've been here for quite a while and it's been really great. And I actually, we had our 75 year two years ago. I'd have to double check. Wow. That's, yes. that's great. So how exactly does the organization help women achieve their potential? So we have through our membership and through community outreach, we have, you know, everything from membership development and fund development that we do to grow our members. And, you know, through that, there's leadership training both locally and through AJLI, which is the greater junior league organization. And so through that, you know, there's so many different opportunities to both grow it professionally through your own self, and then also in finding ways that you can help the community and also, you know, raise funds, raise awareness. And every year we kind of have different partners that we focus through. And also as a greater junior league organization, we every year we also focus on different either organizations that are in need or what we kind of see as through our research committees of, of sort of demographic of people or where, you know, it needs to be that we need to focus our attention to. So last year, a big part of that was um, human trafficking. So that was something that we really focused on in 2021 and actually and still carrying over through into this year. Okay. Tell us more about the first Junior League 5K run that you've got coming up. Absolutely. So we're really excited to be joining a couple other leagues that have added a 5K into their organization's events as part of, you know, fundraising, community awareness, and also just creating an event that the entire community can enjoy. So on November 5th at 9 a.m., we're going to be at Floyd Lamb Park for our inaugural 5K. There's also a one mile fun run. Uh, we really wanted to gear it towards families, being really friendly to those in the community that might want to participate. But a 5K is, you know, a little cumbersome. Mm -hmm. And so we have, you know, some really great community partners that are out there with us. We have food trucks, we have raffle prizes, we have great swag bags for everyone participating. And there's also a costume contest. It is the weekend of I believe what's our last daylight savings. So we've coined it the retro run and everyone's encouraged to dress in their favorite decade. So retro can mean any decade from the past, basically? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So turn back time has kind of been our little coin term, you know, being uh, the day before daylight savings. Nice. Okay. So mm -hmm. what specifically will the money go to support? 
So absolutely. So it is going towards the junior league organization, which through that, again, we have a fund development committee. So they appropriate all of our funds through the organization to the community partners that we have. And, you know, those can be anywhere from women's organizations that help those such as Safe Nest. We also work a lot with teens that are in need. So um, through that, we are with the Shannon West Youth Homeless Center. They get a lot of different funds through us. We also have scholarships. We have an entire ed grant committee. So education grants that go to teachers and classrooms in need throughout the community. So it's kind of the great thing about the 5K is it can actually make a big difference throughout our entire community, not just in the event itself, but through the funds that it raises. Cool. Okay. So once someone signs up to take part in the run or walk, how exactly do they raise funds? Yeah. So actually through um, the registration process, you can also go on and you will be given your own individual link through GiveSmart, which is your own individual fundraising page that you can share to your friends on social media or however else you choose to put that out. And so you can actually fundraise as an individual for your race. And then also with that, including in your registration fees, a part of that is also going to the funds that are raised through the event. Nice. That makes it really easy to get people to sponsor you for the race. No more door to door. Just send out a link. I love it. Absolutely. We are in the digital age. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So how exactly can people sign up for the run? Yeah, the easiest way is to go to jllv.org and it's right there on events page. You'll see the retro 5k run and from there it will take you to the registration page. You can even just sign up as a guest. There's no login needed. And so it's just a couple clicks and a quick way to get registered for the 5k. Okay. And once they're at the website, can they also find out more information about the junior league and get involved in other ways? Absolutely. So on there, we have a list of all of our other events that we put on throughout the community. There's a lot of information on volunteer associations and other ways that you can get involved. And also, if you're interested in becoming a member of Junior League, there's plenty of information on our site there. It also leads you to all of our social media pages if you want to follow along with the different things that we are doing throughout the community in ways that you can help make an impact. What are the criteria for becoming a member? Actually, there are nine. So um, we do only take membership once a year. So we just closed our entrances for the year. So we have what is called a provisional year. So all of our provisionals come on, kind of go through basic onboarding and training of what it is like to be a junior league member. And it's sort of that way you kind of come through together as a class. You do different projects together to sort of get used to what it is like to be a committee member and active member in junior league. And so that will also open up again next August with um, interest and then the provisional committee coming together in September. Okay, perfect. Mm -hmm. So once again, the website is jllv.org, JLLV for Junior League Las Vegas, jllv.org. You can find out more about what Junior League does, find out about volunteer opportunities, find out more about membership criteria. And also, most importantly, you can sign up there for the inaugural Junior League of Las Vegas Retro Run, which is happening on Saturday, November 5th at 9 a.m. at Floyd Lamb Park. So there's a 5K run and there's also an optional one mile walk slash fun run if 5k is too much but all the info is there at jllv.org 
And Desiree, I want to thank you so much for being here, letting people know more about the organization and what you guys are doing and how they can get involved in the 5K run, the fun run, and other things that you have going on. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you again. I really appreciate it. Hey, y'all, I'm Kelly Clarkson. Every American dreams of creating a better life for his or her family. But in some communities, those dreams face difficult challenges. When we come together to help those in need get the same opportunities as everyone else, we truly are making our country a better place to live for all of us. So look for volunteer opportunities in your community to help others achieve the American dream, all right? This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. I'm Heather Vale, and you're listening to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me today is Joseph Orozco, founder of the nonprofit Warriors of Light Family, or WOLF. Joseph is a high school math teacher, and the organization serves high school students in East Las Vegas by empowering them through the mind, body, heart, and spirit. Joseph, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for welcoming me. So, what inspired you to begin Warriors of Light Family? It was actually my first year of teaching, uh, just realizing working for CCSD that uh, what the kids needed and what I was able to provide was not going to be met, um, just working purely as a teacher. And so I decided to start a nonprofit during the pandemic, um, mm-hmm. realizing that these kids needed resources, they needed mentorship, they needed some social emotional support. And I wouldn't be able to do that um, as a teacher alone. And so through by starting this organization, I was able to address those needs that the kids had that were immediate and not um, something that I would provide for way later down the road. What kind of resources did they not have access to that you've been able to provide through the organization? Well, the first thing is social emotional support through things like circles. And so our sort of circles, which is actually a structure that is used in in code switch. Um, and so something they use. And so one of my colleagues had gotten trained by them. And so through those sort of circles, we provided that for our students. And another thing is boxing, um, utilizing boxing as a way to help them learn healthier outlets for releasing anger and controlling their emotions. And so those are the two main things that students did not have access to beforehand. And we were able to provide by utilizing the nonprofit. Okay. Why specifically boxing as opposed to other types of, you know, martial arts or various different types of practices that could also be just as empowering? Great question. And I think the only really reason is because of my experience in boxing and my ability to coach that. Um, I also have experience in jujitsu, but not as masterful as I am in boxing. And so it's because of my own experience with boxing and just knowing the community and also I'd say the ability to protect more versus doing other martial arts. Boxing is just hands. And so the ability to kind of focus on just hands and utilizing that as a martial arts and being able to defend from it and see that and focus on it is a lot easier than it would be to focus on other things like kickboxing or jujitsu, Brazilian style or Japanese style. Got it. Okay. So why do you focus specifically on East Las Vegas? Specifically with East Las Vegas for two reasons. One, because that's the location where I find myself located, which makes it easier to serve. But the second reason, and really the bigger and more important reason, is because East Las Vegas, from what I've, ex- I've experienced so far, is the, one of the locations that lacks the greatest amount of resources. And so you'll find a lot of public supports um, throughout Las Vegas, but East Las Vegas 
is typically the one space where there's a lack of public services for the community. Is that kind of an inequality for the students growing up? Like they don't have the same chances or the same opportunities that other students might have? I'd say most definitely. There's definitely, I feel, because of that lack of resources, um, less opportunities for students to be able to get support where they can really utilize it. Um, although I think across the board, though, you can find pockets of, uh, of communities like East Las Vegas, throughout Las Vegas, where they're very isolated and they lack support as well. So I wouldn't say East Las Vegas is the only space, but I do know that East Las Vegas is, is a major pocket for sure. Okay. Now, a lot of people would look at boxing and say, well, it's physical. You know, that's all it is. You're punching, you're hitting. It's physical. And yet you're empowering them through the mind, body, heart, and spirit. So for people who aren't experienced with this type of thing, how does something like boxing tap into all of those areas of ourselves? Yeah, so I think the easiest one is the body. That's pretty given right away, given the training that we do. But when it comes to the mind, that's one of my favorite things. And my analogy I can do to describe the mind part is describing boxing as a form of chess. It's something where you can be extremely good athletically, stronger, faster than your opponent. But if you're unable to touch your opponent and hit them at all, then none of that power or um, any of that, I guess, the strengths you have over your opponent do not matter because of that. And so if you're able to dodge and predict your opponent's moves before they even throw a punch and you're able to slip, move, counter without them even realizing it, then that right there is one of the mind parts of boxing where you're utilizing and thinking three moves ahead just like you would in a chess game. And so that's one of my favorite parts that I like to teach the kids on how to understand. When it comes to the heart, that's the thing I love the most. The heart and the spirit, they kind of go um, hand in hand in this one. But really just looking at the heart alone, really the heart focuses on those emotions that waver us. And if we, if we allow our emotions to control us in the ring whenever we're sparring or competing, those emotions can then blind us from the fight that we're in. And because of that, we can end up losing the fight. And so oftentimes you'll see a lot of kids who let anger control them very easily. And because of that, they start to throw really wide, heavy punches that if they make contact would be really, really devastating. However, because they're so obvious and wide and predictable, they become so easy to dodge that the person who's angry ends up exhausting themselves out before the fight has really begun. And because of that, they end up losing it. And so that lesson there alone really teaches the kids over and over again the importance of controlling your own emotions and staying in control of them that it's good to have those emotions, but it's also much better to be in control of them and utilize them for our advantage instead of being controlled by them. And so that's something I see happening a lot in the boxing gyms that don't really get shown or talked about. And it really builds that humility within our boxers. And then the last piece is with the spirit. Um, at the end of the day, the biggest person um, pushing yourself is yourself. And so when you're trying to become a, a really good boxer, um, no one else can be able to do that except for yourself. It'd be, it's helpful to have great coaches. It's helpful to have great sparring partners. But at the end of the day, you're the one who's pushing your past your own limits. And you got to be the one who's driven. And so when it comes down to spirit, it's really how badly do you want it and how hard are you willing to work with it? So how much pain are you willing to suffer to achieve what it is you want to achieve? Okay. So how do you take those aspects 
basically being able to control or be a master of your mind, body, heart, and spirit, and relate that to everyday life beyond boxing. Because obviously, at least with kids, you know, they haven't always learned those lessons yet. So what do you teach them to get them to take those lessons into the classroom, into their home life, into their relationships, and what have you? So it really depends. Luckily, I've had the privilege of having small groups of classes. And so I'm able to really work with the students and understand what they're going through to help individualize and relate boxing to what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's just say for an example, in the classroom, if uh, one of the biggest struggles that I see amongst my students is that they struggle with um, some of the basic operations. And so oftentimes I'll tell them just like um, in any sport in general, too, which, again, it's not just boxing. It could be any sport as well. But when it comes to sports, when you're struggling with something, um, you have a kid who comes into boxing and they're jump roping. And the very first time, they can barely get over the rope maybe once or twice. And it takes them many, many days of practice to finally be able to jump over the rope like 10 times. And that's what I tell kids all the time. When I first started jump roping, I can barely get over the rope two times. But I practice for hours and hours on end until eventually I'm able to do crisscross, double jumps, all these ever like fancy special things and go on for minutes on end. But I didn't achieve that my first few months. Like it took me several months to build up to that and so many moments of failure and helping them understand that when it comes to the educational field, when it comes to the classroom and them learning, it's the same way. Their muscle is also a brain that's being developed and they have to practice it over and over again to truly refine it and be the the kind of muscle they want it to be. And so that's some, some of the analogies I give to my students and to my kids in boxing that if they want to become better at something, at the end of the day, just like they do in boxing, they have to practice over and over again and endure that constant failure, that constant pain that comes with it in order to really know and understand success. Yeah, some great life lessons right there. Now, (laughs) what if a student enjoys boxing so much that they don't want it to just be a tool for empowerment, they want to actually go on and continue their boxing career? What would you tell them? I tell them uh, we will support them as far as we can. But at the end of the day, our program is focused on helping them really on a social and emotional level and helping them develop themselves. And so if they wanted to pursue boxing even further, I would also encourage them to go to a gym that would also help them to really help them in competing. Um, My goal is to eventually be able to provide more support with competition wise with our kids. But um, right now, knowing where I'm at, I know I can't help them get to that competition level just yet. And I also really try to encourage them not to compete just yet because of the NCBA rules if they do decide to go to college. I had the fortune and privilege of being able to box in college. But for a lot of the students, if they decided to compete now, because of the rules that are in place for the National Collegiate Boxing Association, if they have more than, I believe, three fights prior to going to college, they'd be ineligible to compete in the college circuit, which is, I think, by far the funnest time of my life when I was in college because it meant I got to travel to different colleges, compete with people there, and at the same time, go and explore the cultures in those different colleges, um, meet the people who fight there, and really celebrate with them after we fight. And that experience really is what made my college, but uh, that's because I was able to fight so With my kids who will be competing, I'd ask them to just hold off and be patient. But if they were insistent on going pro right out of high school, then I would encourage them to find a coach who can help really push them to that next level where where training is, is, our training is good, but they need to be training a lot more if they wanted to go Olympics or pro. Okay, cool. 
So you mentioned circles, and I'm sure there's other types of tutoring and mentorship programs that you offer. So can you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing beyond the boxing? Yeah, of course. And so there's two other components that we're tapping into um, as well. So one is our circles. Uh, which really focuses on trying to build a sense of belonging for students. And so one of the things that I've noticed uh, amongst the younger generation nowadays is their social skills have severely declined because of their use of technology and not really knowing how to face face-to-face interaction and then being able to just validate what is heard. And so when someone talks to me, how do I respond back to them to let them know I heard what you said or make sure that I didn't misinterpret anything you said? So Circles is really focused on building those skill sets of being able to communicate our own feelings, understanding who we are, what we feel, and where those emotions come from, but also being able to hear from other people's perspectives, being able to have dialogue and conversation when there is conflict, and also being able to listen to others when they're going through something and how to validate and be there for them in that moment when they're having a hard time. And so building around those components, that's what Circle is really about. And so we're also tapping into from the circles and the boxing now is trying to develop a leadership program. So that way students who want to do more than just be a, a member of those organizations of the boxing and the circles, but being someone who can lead it. So our third program is now tapping into leadership. So students who want to go into other classrooms and lead sessions for other students that revolves around circles, evolving, giving them the opportunity and space to create that dialogue and to create those conversations and opportunities for their emotions to come out and be shared and be vulnerable and be heard and do the same thing for our kids with boxing where kids who want to um to teach boxing to other other young kids and so luckily we also have a middle school here at our school and at elementary school next door to us and so my hope is with those students who become leaders training them to be able to coach and then kind of facilitate those same kind of dialogue and conversations we have with teaching both boxing and circles okay What are the criteria for students to take part? Where are they coming from and what do they have to do if they want to be part of your program? So that was a tough one because originally we had our own facility and was able to offer it in any high school. Um, But we decided to switch over to completely working at high schools since we found that a lot of the issues was transportation, uh, which severely impacted students' ability to participate in the programs consistently. And Mm -hmm. so right now, in order for kids to be eligible, it'd be only kids from Akipo Academy would be eligible. Um, But my hope is to find other educators at other schools and pretty much train them to be able to facilitate boxing classes to facilitate circle sessions for their students. So that way, instead of us, um, or instead of kids coming to us, we're going out to the kids and providing it at their schools instead, which we found to be a lot more impactful because of the fact that a lot of students just don't have transportation. Yeah, yeah, good point. Okay, so how can people find out more about Warriors of Light Family or help you in your mission, whether that's by donating, spreading the word, getting involved, volunteering, or what have you? The biggest thing right now is our website, wolfboxing.org. That's how people can kind of find out more about us. They can reach out to me through there as well. My email is the the underscore teach at wolfboxing.org. I'm always more than happy to speak with people on ways to get involved. Um, but our main main thing we're asking for or looking for right now is just other educators from other schools who would be interested in getting themselves involved with us. And our hope is to uh, eventually get them trained and hopefully paid as well. So that way they can provide those same services for the kids at their schools. And I know with CCSD, the boxing part would be very tricky. So starting off with our circles 
and our leadership component for the circles. But then I'm hoping with the data I gather here at Equipo Academy can serve as proof and evidence that boxing can be a vital uh, program for students at CCSD schools to help them with developing. And that if we are able to provide that space for them, that we'd see a lot of our kids not only mature and grow, but we see a lot less violence happening, which is, I know, very ironic, given that boxing is seen as a violent sport. But the fact of the matter is you teach kids more violence, you actually see less of it. Interesting. Okay. So once again, it's <laughs> wolfboxing.org. So W-O-L-F boxing.org. And Wolf again stands for Warriors of Light Family. So wolfboxing.org if you want to find out more information. And if you want to email Joseph, whether you're a teacher at another high school or you know someone who is, or you just want to ask some questions, it's the underscore teach at wolfboxing.org. The underscore teach at wolfboxing.org. And Joseph, I want to thank you so much for being here and letting people know about what you're doing. It's It sounds like a really great program, and I'm sure you're empowering a lot of kids, and that's always a great thing because, you know, these are things that they don't necessarily get taught in school during their regular curriculum. It's not something that teachers have time to teach, but being able to take them out of the classroom and helping them manage their emotions, have mastery over themselves, and just learning the whole mind, body, spirit, heart connection. It's just amazing what you're doing. So thank you for sharing it and thank you for your time. Yeah, and thank you, Heather. I appreciate the time and opportunity to share more about what we're doing and I appreciate it. Thank you. Teachers shape the future right now. In a classroom somewhere in the United States, there's a teacher inspiring a future scientist who'll make preventing pandemics their life's work. Sharpening the mind of an aspiring environmentalist who'll help combat climate change. And generating possibilities for a student who'll be the first in their family to graduate college. Explore a career that leaves a legacy you can be proud of. Teach. Learn more and receive free support at teach.org. I'm Heather Vale, and this is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me today is Jessica Farrar, founder and CEO of the Farrar Foundation. Jessica graduated from the UNLV School of Dental Medicine and founded her nonprofit organization to provide dentistry for cancer patients. Jessica, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me on, Heather. So what was it that prompted you to start the Farrar Foundation? So after dental school, I was doing my residency in Texas. And during that time, my dad got diagnosed with a very rare form of cancer. I was going back and forth from my program, going home to see my dad and take care of him. And during that time, I was developing with my program some treatment protocols to help take care of the dental needs of cancer patients. And it's not restricted to any one kind of cancer patient, kind of cancer patients in general. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of using my dad as a little bit of a guinea pig and trying out different products and different techniques to see what would work best for him while he was kind of in and out of the hospital. And unfortunately, my dad passed away in March of 2015. And I took some time off and then I came back to my program, but I also came back with a bunch of data. And we shared this information in my program and it helped us develop some treatment protocols for patients. When I came back from my program, my program director in his infinite wisdom restricted my patient care to primarily cancer patients to continue this care. 
And in time, I got very comfortable treating cancer patients. Fast forward a couple years, I decided to move back to Vegas where I had gone to dental school. And I noticed that the kinds of care we were providing in Texas wasn't provided in Las Vegas. And I felt it was a detriment to our cancer patients that they weren't getting this kind of care. So I felt that it was really important to bring it here. And through that, we created the Farrar Foundation, which is named in honor of my father. What's different about dental services for cancer patients as opposed to anybody else? For sure. Dental care for cancer patients is really important because when you do cancer treatment, you usually go through chemotherapy or radiation. Chemotherapy or radiation suppresses your immune system. And so a simple infection in your mouth can become a full-blown issue that can require you to stop your chemo or radiation. And we don't want you to stop your treatment. This is life-saving care for you while you're going through your cancer struggle. We want you to stay on track as much as possible. So we are a support system while you go through that care to make sure that you start healthy and you finish healthy and that you can get through your care successfully. Okay. Why is there a void for quality dental services for cancer patients? A lot of dental providers are uncomfortable providing care to cancer patients. Frequently, when I've talked to cancer patients in town, they have told me that their dentist said, hey, go do your treatment, and then I'll see you back after you're done. Frequently, side effects of chemo and radiation are felt inside a patient's mouth. A lot of times chemo can give you mouth ulcers and can make it very difficult to maintain like good nutrition while you're going through your treatment. And a lot of doctors are not comfortable treating that. I've been fortunate that I went through this additional training to learn all of this It is our long-term goal that we will be able to provide training to dental providers so that they would be comfortable to treat these patients otherwise in the community. Okay. Where do you find your patients? How do they hear about you? Most of our patients are referred to us by their cancer doctors. Some patients do find us by Googling us and finding us, but primarily they're referred to us by their physicians. Okay, so how can people find out more about the Farrar Foundation, access your services if they're in need of services, if they have cancer, or if they want to help you out and offer support in some way, whether that be donating or what have you? Your best resource is going to be our website, farrarfoundation.org. On there, you can find out what services we provide. There is referral forms for physicians to refer over patients and send over pertinent information for their patients. And if you would love to share some kindness with us, you can donate on our website as well. Okay, awesome. So once again, that's farrarfoundation.org. It's spelled P-H-A-R-A-R foundation.org, farrarfoundation.org. And you can find out all the information there if you know someone who has cancer and is in need of dental care, or if you're just curious about what Jessica does and how you can help out, how you can offer support. It's all there at ForRourFoundation.org. 
And Jessica, I want to thank you so much for being here and letting us know about what you're doing, because as you mentioned, it's, you know, it's a service that isn't really being offered by anyone else. So I'm glad you're filling that void and I'm glad you're here letting people know about it. And I appreciate you sharing with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Heather. In honor of all those we've lost to cancer and those still fighting and thriving, like basketball analyst Dick Vitale. I'm going to beat cancer. I'm going to beat it. That's no doubt in my mind. I'm going to win this battle. Defeating cancer will take all of us. At the V Foundation, V is for victory over cancer. V is for victory over giving up. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Join our team in the fight against cancer at V.org. I'm Heather Vale with the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and this is your community events calendar for nonprofit initiatives and charity events around the valley. Opportunity Village is holding their annual Halloween and Vegas Fright Nights events through the month of October at the Magical Forest on the Opportunity Village campus, 6300 West Oakey. Get your tickets and find out all the event times and dates at opportunityvillage.org. That's opportunityvillage.org. The 12th Annual Grant a Gift Gala takes place next Thursday, October 20th, starting at 5.30 p.m. on the field at Allegiant Stadium. This is an evening of friendship, philanthropy, and memorable moments to benefit individuals and families navigating the autism spectrum and other neurodevelopmental disorders. The dress code is BU, wear blue. Get your tickets or find out more at grantagift.com. That's grantagift.com. Aid for AIDS of Nevada, or AFAN, is holding their 36th annual Black and White Party on Saturday, October 22nd at Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas. The VIP reception is at the Manor from 8 to 9 p.m., with general admission to the event lawn starting at 9 p.m. Proceeds from the evening benefit those in Southern Nevada living with or affected by HIV-AIDS. For more information and to purchase tickets, visit afanlv.org. That's A-F-A-N-L-V dot org. Monday's Dark with Mark Chinook is a bi-monthly musical fundraising party at The Space, with each event raising $10,000 for a specific charity in 90 minutes. Upcoming shows include Monday, October 24th at 8 p.m., benefiting My Scars Are Beautiful, and Monday, November 7th at 8 p.m., benefiting the Burlesque Hall of Fame. Get tickets or find out more details at mondaysdark.com. That's mondaysdark.com. Also at the space, the off-strip Table for Deux Halloween charity cabaret show and costume party is happening Tuesday, October 25th at 8 p.m. The costume theme is Dynamic Duos and Famous Pairings, and proceeds benefit the Theater Arts Preparatory School, or TAPS, with scholarships for underprivileged youth. Find out the details or grab your tickets at thespacelv.com. That's thespacelv.com. The Neon Museum is celebrating its 10th anniversary at the current downtown location with a formal gala event on Friday, October 28th from 6 to 10 p.m. at Jungle Palace, the private estate of former Las Vegas illusionist Siegfried and Roy. Get more details and tickets at neonmuseum.org. That's neonmuseum.org. 
They're also holding the four-day Duck Duck Shed celebration of Las Vegas architecture, design, and culture from October 27th through 30th with a variety of special programs and events. Get all the details at duckduckshed.com. That's duckduckshed.com. Black Pearl Promotions is holding a Bring Back the 70s Disco Fundraising event to support Domestic Violence Awareness Month and Breast Cancer Awareness Month on Friday, October 28th from 8 p.m. till midnight at Starbase LV on West Diablo Drive near Allegiant Stadium. Get all the details and buy your tickets at blackpearlpromotions.com. That's blackpearlpromotions.com. The Shade Trees Once Upon a Gala is happening Thursday, November 3rd at 5.30 p.m. for the Secret Garden Soiree VIP Cocktail Reception and 7 p.m. for the gala at Resorts World Las Vegas. This fairy tale inspired event includes a silent auction and all proceeds benefit the Shade Trees mission to provide safe shelter to domestic violence and human trafficking survivors and their children. Get your tickets or find out more at theshadetree.org. That's theshadetree.org. The Junior League of Nevada is holding their inaugural Junior League of Las Vegas retro run on Saturday, November 5th at 9 a.m. at Floyd Lamb Park. This 5K run also has an optional one-mile walk. Afterwards, they'll have prizes, giveaways, and more surprises. Be sure to dress in your retro best. Find out more details or sign up at jllv.org. That's jll lv.org. And the ALS Association Nevada Chapter is holding their one-mile Walk to Defeat ALS on Sunday, November 13th at 12 noon with check-in starting at 10.30 a.m. at Craig Ranch Park. Sign up to walk or find out more details at alsanv.org. That's alsanv.org. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 